everybody, and welcome back to another new episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me as always is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you on this terrific, fine, fine day? Alan, I am doing great as always, buddy. I cannot believe this episode is finally here. It's the one we've been waiting for. Yep. It's the big cheese. Oh, I know. Yep. What Mark's talking about, of course, is season three's episode 13, The Fight. The Fight. Yes, the classic fight. Uh, this is the one, in case you don't know it by name, if you just go find Ron dancing with a little <laughs> pillbox hat on his head, then you know exactly what we're talking about. Yep. Yeah. So it's a classic episode for sure for many reasons, and we'll get into why here very shortly. Yeah, that's right. Mark, I think it's worth reminding people as well, too, that uh, sometimes when we do these episodes, we get two options. We get a producer's cut and we get a standard cut oh, as yes. well. Yep. And here we, we've got that again. We're reviewing the producer's cut. That's right. So if you're watching on your DVDs at home or or Peacock, I know that they've got the 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 25 minute version. That's the version we're talking about. That's right. But there's also, and I know we had trouble finding this last time for mm. one of the other episodes. We've got a standard edition, which we were able to find this time. Yeah, the van down by the river had it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he opens up his trench coat. He says, <laughs> Hey, fellas, look what I got. But uh, yeah, that runs about 2121. Right. So it's a lot about four minutes shorter. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of content. That's quite a bit. And we'll get into that as well. All right. Well, The Fight first aired on May 12th, 2011. Yep. And it was directed by Randall Einhorn. Yep. This is his third of five that he ultimately directed. Uh, the last episode Randall did that we covered was Indianapolis mm. earlier this season. Uh, he got started with The Office, known also for Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, Wilfred, The Muppets, and The Mick. Uh, this episode was written by some lady, Amy Pahola, Pahalala. I don't know. How do you say her name? That kid's going to make it. <laughs> Amy Poehler, we of course. We love it. Yeah, we love Amy. Um, this is her second to five as a writer of the episode. And the first one was Telethon. Telethon from yeah, season yeah. two. Yeah. Also a very good one. Also a very good episode. I mean, I don't know how good this one. We'll see. This one we'll might see. be a three. I don't know. Yeah. 3.5. Little yeah. Sebastian's. All right. I'll just tell you right now. All right. See everyone. Good night. Bye. <laughs> no, uh, I think it Just might be kidding. a little higher than that. A we'll see. Higher. But Telethon was a great season two episode. I, I was thinking about this earlier today, Mark. How, like, how are we going to wrap this thing up? Like, what are we going to do when we're all done here, you know, in a couple of years? Um, but I, Go have a glass of snake juice? Well, big one. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for sure. But I, I, but I think we should do probably a top 10 all time, like maybe as our final episode. And I was thinking through just like to date, how many season three episodes are going to qualify? But then I started thinking, there's actually a couple season two episodes. I yeah. don't think we'll have any season one episodes in the top 10. No. I mean, Rock Show was the best of all of them. And I'm, I think it it's, probably will miss the It's cut. good, but it's been eclipsed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's very true. Well, Mark, should we start with our synopsises? We should start out with the synopsises. All right. Well, I broke this, uh, this uh, great, great episode down into two stories. An A story and a B story. And uh, my A story I entitled My New Favorite Poison. <laughs> Tom is unveiling his new alcoholic beverage, Snake Juice, at the Snake Hole Lounge that night and gets the gang to be there to get others to drink it via guerrilla marketing tactics. Snake Juice proves to be delicious. That's Every pronounced delicious. Delicious. That sniz is delicious. With everyone getting very drunk as the night goes on. Even Chris shows up. But 
only to warn Tom that using government employees to promote his own personal ventures is a breach of ethics and he must sell his shares of the Snake Hole Lounge if he wants to keep his job. <laughs> ah! What will happen? Does Tom sell his shares of the Snake Hole Lounge? Can Tom get Ron to endorse his new beverage? Why are Bert Macklin and Janet Snake Hole at this event? <laughs> Stay tuned to find out. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Yeah. How about it? And I assume you then also had a B story. I did. You nailed it. B story, I entitled, You're Stupid and You're Drunk and You're Stupid. (laughs) (laughs) That sums it up. (laughs) Having fired the- I just called the B story, The Fight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I was tempted. And then I was like, no, I can't be that blase. But actually, that sums it up better. Yeah. All right. Having fired the health department's PR director, Chris engages with Leslie to help find a replacement. Leslie suggests Anne and excitedly finds Anne to tell her the news, giving her a ton of homework to help her prepare, blah, blah, blah. Anne's a little unsure, but agrees to an interview scheduled for tomorrow morning. That night at the Snake Hole Lounge, Leslie is surprised and annoyed to find Anne partying instead of prepping for the interview. And an increasingly drunk Leslie and Anne start fighting, which escalates throughout the night. How will this turn out? Is this the end of Leslie and Anne's friendship? Who will be the new PR director? How many boyfriends does Anne go through in this episode? <laughs> Stick around. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice job, Mark. Yeah. I'm assuming that, well, I shouldn't assume, but I picked two AKAs, one for each storyline. How about you? What did I do? I, I have two choices. I have two AKAs. Did Constantine not walk you through your notes already? You know what? I guess, I guess they are from different storylines, but they- from, Are they from this episode? <laughs> <laughs> I did manage to get him from this episode. Oh, good. You know what it is? They At one point, the two storylines kind of merge in a location. So yeah, that, that's, that's why I'm thinking, like, which one did this belong to? I think I did get one of each, though. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So what you got? All right. Well, my my runner up is from, I guess you'd call it, you know, the 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 fight, the B story there that yeah. I had, uh, where Anne is trying to explain to Leslie, she's getting a little annoyed, that, you know, hey, the, this is one of the reasons why you date is you got to try on a lot of different hats. That's the point of it. And then Leslie gestures over at the, that the person (laughs) that she's with and goes, well, this hat is an idiot. So that's my AKA. This hat is an idiot. I just thought that was funny. Classic. Classic. (laughs) Um, so then, uh, I love Nick Kroll. Oh, he's so good. Um, so, and then my, my winner is just very simply Baba Booey. Baba Booey. Just cause that, that, that just, encapsulates this episode, I think. And I love it when Ben does that. Well, not, I mean, that and the pillbox hat are probably the two yes, things yes. from the, from that, you know, iconic clip that, you know, uh, I'm sure that will make its rounds on the internet again. In fact, I'm pretty sure we're going to help that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just but to help promote our episode. How about you? What were your AKs? Um, so, so I had two as well, Mark, uh, also from this episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Um, I would say my A storyline was, it's a moment when basically, uh, you know, Tom has asked all of his friends, you know, colleagues, whatever you want to call them, uh, to help him promote, you know, illegally his hooch that he's made snake, mm-hmm. hold, snake juice there. Mm-hmm. And he basically walks around the room, tells everybody what their part is. And he finally, you know, he's given everybody a name, a character. He gets mm-hmm. to Jerry and goes, Jerry, you'll be a boring beer drinker. Your name will be Jerry. <laughs> Just, it's so subtle, the punching bag, Jerry, but I loved it. Uh, and then from the B storyline, I chose a line 
um, where Leslie's really trying to explain herself in this fight with Anne and how things have escalated. And of course, we'll get into that. But she basically just says, you know, and this is totally makes it understandable for me, Mark. She says, I just meant you were being stupid and you were acting like a jerk. No, not that you were. Stupid <laughs> That's jerk. right. Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. it all better. Yeah. I like those. Less hurtful that way. Well, Mark, before we move on, you mentioned Nick Kroll. I just want to mention the rest of our guest stars yeah. here in case we don't have a chance to do that elsewhere. We've got Nick Kroll and Matt Besser, of course, playing Crazy Ira and the Douche. Matt Besser, voice only. You know what? You're exactly right. I am. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. He voices uh, his character, Crazy Ira, but only in The Kicker, as I recall. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we've got Andy Milder playing Freddy for the last time, the Snakehole Lounge. Uh, yeah, the owner we love to hate. Yeah. yeah. And who's also a special guest for us this week. That's We're right. We'll play some clips as part of our episode today. We've got Ben Schwartz back as John Ralphio. We've got Jans Jordan as Councilman Hauser. <laughs> oh, and I know you wanted Hauser. to say something here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we had a, a, one of our listeners, or I guess our, our viewers, really. Yeah, uh, he's a viewer. Uh, pointed out that we had in the past missed a, a very funny and important trope involving Councilman Hauser. Yeah. So I I want to uh, thank uh, uh, Jumbo C. Jumbo C. Yeah. Uh, for, for that uh, insight, which uh, we're definitely going to touch upon later. Yeah. He actually left us a message, a voicemail, which you can do on our website. So that was kind of neat. That's we haven't right. had a lot of people take advantage of that. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Like, what is this? Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I said, oh, yeah, I forgot we did that. So <laughs> and then lastly, we had Harvey Alperin as Dennis Cooper. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, which opens up this opportunity we'll talk about here. <laughs> and then, of course, Andy Forrest is back as Kyle. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The other punching back. Hmm. So. All right. Well, Mark, should we get into our breakdown? We should. All right, Mark. Well, in the cold open, we start off. The gang is gathered around the bullpen as usual. We see this a lot. And apparently somebody has broken the coffee maker mm. and something of an interrogation is underway. Should we just play this? I think this is a great cold open. Yeah, th this is really good. Actually, this cold open was specially done for the producer's cut as well. The, the aired version has a different cold open. That's exactly right. Good yeah, point. let's play it. All right, let's play it. So... Who broke it? I'm not mad. I just want to know. <laughs> I did. I broke no, it. No, no, you didn't. Tom? Don't look at me. Look at Ben. What? I didn't break it. Huh, that's weird. How'd you even know it was broken? Because it's sitting right in front of us and it's broken. Suspicious. No, it's not. It, if it matters, probably not, but... April was the last one to use. Liar! I don't even drink that crap. Oh, really? Then what were you doing by the coffee cart earlier? I used the wooden stars to push back my cuticles. Everyone knows that, okay. Jerry. Okay, let's not fight. I broke it. Let me pay for it. Run. No. Who broke it? Ron. Don has been off the quiet. Really? Oh, yeah, really. Oh, oh, my God. Say I broke it. It burned my hand, so I punched it. <laughs> I predict 10 minutes from now, they'll be at each other's throats with war paint on their faces and a pig head on a stick. Good. It was getting a little chummy around here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. That That's very good. Uh, so that was that ran about 67 seconds. Uh, that was one of I, I think maybe that was the only non plot relevant scene in this entire episode. Yeah, I yeah. think that's true. Yeah, it's a good point because everything else does kind of advance the plot. Although thematically, I'll make the point that it, it does promote it, right? I mean, this whole episode's about a fight. And, you know, here's this tension that's going on in the bullpen. Now, 
Ron's created it a little bit artificially, perhaps. But I think it's also interesting to think that this group of people have been to get working together now for a long time. And we, we know that in the real world, Mark, you know, IRL, as the kids say mm-hmm. uh, in real life, uh, that that can happen over time. Right. And that's true. I think we're due for a good fight. Yeah, that may be true. I also like in that scene how how Ron and Leslie kind of epitomize like the 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 quintessential version of like uh-huh. mom and dad. You know, yeah. dad's like, who broke it? And, you know, Leslie is just trying to, you know, yeah. OK, I, I, yeah. I'll take care of it. No, who broke it? No, a child must be beaten. <laughs> very, very funny. Oh, boy. Anyway. Well, from the cold open, we move on to another scene in the bullpen. And and as you said, Mark, this was the original cold open. Right. Tom is once again trying to recruit the gang for another scheme. And this one already seems pretty promising. Um, Mark, don't tell anyone, but I'm just saying that I I don't want to be on Tom's Dunzo list either. Oh, no, 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 no. So, yeah, like you said, Tom is wanting the gang to attend that night's event at the Snake Hole Lounge where he is unveiling his new alcoholic beverage, snake juice. And no one's really excited about it. They 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 kind of try to bail out. Ah, it's not mm-hmm. good for me. Da, da, da. But Donna's on a cleanse. <laughs> Donna's yeah. on a cleanse. That's right. Oh, my gosh. But Tom, please, whines for them to please come. And then he announces a meeting, which I thought this was an interesting combination of him whining. And then he gets forceful, like that yeah. combo. Yeah. So he whines and then he's like, and... I, there's a you better come to my meeting in an hour to strategize on account. And if you don't, you're going to be on my Dunzo list. And then that is a thing. And then Ben has to pipe up and go, oh, what's uh, what's the Dunzo list? And so Tom gives him several examples. You know, you want to go out and eat with me? No, we're Dunzo. Hey, dunzo. Tom, you want to play putt putt? No, we're Dunzo. And then at the end, Andy turns to April and goes, we Babe, we got to make sure not to miss that meeting. Like, he's kind of terrified. He doesn't want to be on the Dunzo list. And he says so later, as a matter of fact. That's right. Well, from here, we transition to a bench out on the first floor. At first, I thought we were on that bench, you know, the Bensley bench, you know. In front of Wildflowers? Yeah, but it's, it's not, not that one. It's not that one. No, it's just a regular, you know, there is a mural behind them. Yeah. And I'm not even sure it's one we've seen before, as a matter of fact. No, I think it has like raccoons on it. Well, and some sort of flag. I couldn't make mm-hmm. it out. We're going to keep working on they that. They started one. their own yeah. nation. Yeah. We'll put it in that in the digital labs and we got Constantine trying to recreate the banner. Thank goodness. But anyway, Mark, I know you're familiar with foreshadowing because we've got someone going on here. And Leslie and Anne are seeming to enjoy a nice cup of coffee and catching up. But I think there's uh, there's something a little more to it here. That's right. Well, this, like you said, they're sitting on the bench in front of the mural and they're it's been a while since they'd caught up and, and Leslie is uh, apparently having quite a hard time keeping up with all of Anne's boyfriends and is possibly mm-hmm. a little annoyed in, yeah. in, in the process. Uh, not the least of which is that I think Leslie had lent a, uh, a book to, to one of her yeah. boyfriends, yeah, but yeah. let's just call him boyfriend 34 F 38 or whatever, <laughs> you know? And so now he's been lost in the shuffle. So she ain't getting that book back. Well, she, she liked, she did like him, but she couldn't deal with his face. Well, who can, <laughs> if you could just approach without a face, that would be good for everybody. So at this point they're catching up. I think Leslie's a little annoyed and just doesn't know how to take this. And, and Ben walks by and hashtag dork flirts with Leslie, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, someone's going to be late for the meeting, which I, you know, I know sex talk when I hear it. So then <laughs> Leslie says, you know, Oh, you want to race? And then they, she gets up real excitedly like, ah, ha ha ha. Look, Anne, sorry. And I got to go. Cause I got to race. And she wham, 
runs right into Cal- in Councilman there. Hauser. And at first, I think she says, like, get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Councilman Hauser. Nice to see you. And then he just looks at her like, what, what is wrong with you, woman? As much as that scene is a foreshadowing of the fight that's going to evolve here in this episode, I'm actually remembering either the last episode or the episode before where Anne's, you know, it's new Anne. She's on her dating streak. Mm-hmm. Leslie is already kind of amazed at how quick she's going through the guys then. And, and you know, maybe a little annoyed, but it's just very, very minor. I think this is the natural progression of that. I, I would completely agree. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the conference room, it's like we're hearing from Tony Robbins. You know, <laughs> not the famous one. You know, the one we used to work with, Mark, at that place and who was always being selfish and bossy. Oh, that him. Yeah. yeah. I still haven't gotten my hoagie back. <laughs> so you won't. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, Tom's addressing the game and there's just some conference room. I don't think it matters, but no. so we got April and Andy and Ron and Donna and Jerry and Tom's standing up talking to them about guerrilla marketing that he wants them to do at that night's event. And so they're all seated around the table with scripts in front of them. And Tom has them run through the scripts. And basically I can sum it up by saying everybody is playing a boring beer drinker Except <laughs> except for Ron, who's playing an exciting snake juice drinker named Brian Thunder. Thunder. <laughs> However, Tom is a little disappointed with Ron's performance. Like he he's he's trying to like be his coach, you know, and just coax some real uh, some huspa out of him. And it's just not working. Well, I think you and I both know that when you write a script and you want a certain performance, you have to write it in a way that it's consumable by that person, the mm, actor. Right. So, yeah. you know. He just wrote, I want this night to get crazy. And then, of course, you know, uh, Ron's interpretation was, I want tonight to get K-Razzy. And then Tom Manikrin, no, no, crazy, like crazy. <laughs> and then Ron very flatly is like, I want to get crazy. <laughs> get me a shot of snake juice. <laughs> I hear it has a dope aftertaste. And then doesn't. Ron has a, a, a talking head at the end of this that yeah. kind of introduces his, um, I don't know, his belief system behind what he's willing to endorse. Right. I think given what we discovered here, Mark, we're kind of lucky he's pitched some products for us. Well, you know what? That's true. But he believes in them, apparently. Apparently, Yeah. So what's what's his his big three here? <laughs> he, only, he only endorses a product if he uses the thing he really believes in it. So his only re- official recommendations are U.S. Army mustache trimmers, of course, match, yeah. uh, Morton Salt, yeah, that's a given, yeah. and the C.R. Lawrence Fine Two Inch Axe Style Scraper Oscillating Knife Blade. Nice job. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read that he did that whole scene in one, one take, take. No mess ups. Yeah, yeah. I read that too. Yeah. Good for him. Interesting. Yeah. I could barely say half that. Me too. Well, in the city manager's office, did you know the reason that 100% of Dennis Coopers get fired, Mark? <laughs> 99% of the time they have too much Jan Cooper in their lives. Oh, well done, yeah. sir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Statistically speaking. <laughs> Brought to you by the Pawnee Health Department. So Leslie and Ben are meeting with Chris in his office and he tells them that the health department's PR director is fired. Um, short answer, short explanation is he went bananas longer is, well, personal drama. I won't go into that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Dennis Cooper there got fired. And and so Chris essentially turns to Leslie for help <laughs> in finding a replacement. And Leslie kind of has a brainstorm and excitedly suggests Anne as a candidate. Um, 
but there are some funny little little I think Chris has a number of jump cuts, doesn't he? He does. They've got a great jump cut sequence here. And apparently Chris, uh, you know, uh, Chris, apparently Rob Lowe did a really excellent job, you know, doing these all very straight faced. We found out in the producer's cut. But yeah, um, apparently Jan Cooper will give you chlamydia. And these are all posters that that Dennis Cooper had made. Right. Uh, you know, and put to, all around the to shame his wife yeah, for yeah. what she did, which was apparently have an affair, give him a venereal disease. Yeah. And so he, he he put these all through City Hall, but chlamydia affects nearly 100% of Jan Cooper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Department of Health congratulates Jan Cooper, Miss Chlamydia. <laughs> Jan, I love you. Please come back. I realize that I'm not blameless here. Please. Brought to you by the health department. That's, just, that's really it's touching. Kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. And then he comes right back, though. Re-elect Jan Cooper, mayor of Horville. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently the plea didn't work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Mark, from there, we move over to Pawnee St. Joseph's, which, of course, you like to call Ann Ann Perkins Perkins Hospital. Hospital. That's right. Yeah. And over at Ann Perkins Hospital, Leslie has an amazing and thoughtful gift for Ann that has nothing to do with anything less than her own destiny. That's right. Yeah. Leslie goes to Ann Perkins Hospital to tell 100 percent of Ann Perkins there that uh, (laughs) she got her an interview tomorrow at 9 a.m. without asking her. Hey, that's great. She couldn't get it any earlier. No. And, and Anne is like going, yay, I think like she's kind of like she I think she's familiar with Leslie. So she kind of yeah. gets her shtick, but yeah. she's kind of also a little overwhelmed, I think. But she's trying to be like guardedly positive, I think. Yeah. And but Leslie, on the other hand, is like manic. She's over the moon excited. She's giving, she's got a vision for Anne. Oh, my gosh. She, she might want to <laughs> let Anne catch up to. <laughs> <laughs> Just say, catch up, man. We're going places. We're not stopping for anybody. Uh, so she gives Anne tons and tons of like homework material, prep material to study that night. Like apparently she's had to pull all nighter. Then she give her like Red Bull and yeah stuff like that. Anyway, so Anne already, you know, you're 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 talking about the theme, right? So Anne is looking a little annoyed at this. Not a lot, but a little bit. I think she'd be amused and she's literally catching up to Leslie, who is 14 miles ahead of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She gave her, it says, going to be a long night. So I got you because she's got to study all these, you know, basically health initiatives since 1960. Right. Um, so she got her some energy drinks, some chocolate covered espresso beans Ugh. and a book Freedom by Jonathan Franzen. Why is that a thing? Because I just finished it. I need to talk about it, Ian. Oh, <laughs> oh, and do you notice? I love this part where Anne tries to like wrangle the conversation back and she goes <laughs> and she goes, OK, take a breath. And if you watch the two of them, Anne goes, uh-huh. yeah. and Leslie goes, I couldn't even do it. Like she just inhales like in a microsecond. <laughs> she, she does it so well. I want to watch that again now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish we could show that to our viewers at home, Mark. I know. <laughs> Well, meanwhile, over at the shoeshine stand, it turns out that April has a case of the Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Nice callback. Uh-huh. April and Andy are looking over Tom's script. And this is all just bad. This is all bad. It like, is, there's yeah. none of this that April goes, this is a good thing. No. She didn't like talking to people. She didn't like anything. No. This is a nightmare. She's grouchy. And no. so Andy kind of, I think, brings her out of her doldrums by suggesting they view it as role playing instead. And that kind of, I think, brings her around. And so then they're kind of like, all right, well, you know what? And she walks away. And next time you see him, I'm going to be a stranger. Yeah. And Andy's just, <laughs> 
<laughs> like he's really excited. Like this is pretty cool. Well, what did it for for them was that April asked, "Can I use a weird voice and try to freak people out?" Yes, yes. <laughs> like I expected no less. Right. So she's on board now. Well, we're at the moment we've been leading up to Mark, and we're at the Snake Hole Lounge, and it turns out that Tom has a lot riding on Snake Juice, and we are about to find out if that's going to be a S to the U to the double C E S. Oh my gosh. S. I, I like the way you ended on the rhyme. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Me better, and John Ralphio. Yeah. Better than some people can uh-huh. do. Yeah, it was like, this is the first scene, I think, of this episode in the Snake Hole Lounge. And we're going to be here for quite a while. Yep. I think over half the episode easily is here. We are, but there, and I'll try to sherp us around as we do, because there are four locations, basically, within the Snake Hole Lounge. Right, right. But yeah, we're in the building and everyone's going to be in the building here. Right, right. So yeah, we see a very uh, nervous Tom. Um, hoping snake juice doesn't turn out to be uh, a failure, which doesn't help by, you know, uh, owner Freddie, you know, kind of giving him the business about, you know, he's not going to take a loss. Oh, uh, Andy, Milder, we, we don't like you. that guy. <laughs> Andy Milder, we love you, but Freddie, we hate you. No, we hate Freddie. All right. So Leslie approaches Tom and asks him how it's going. Soon to be followed by John Raffio, who is apparently helping Tom with stuff get 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 that paper um (laughs) leslie tells tom you know tom i know this is going to be a big success i i apologize for having to miss it but i need to go help ann cram for tomorrow and tom suggests to leslie that uh, well she may be up all night but she's not going to be the one doing the cramming and then she points out because he's so (laughs) subtle and so tom points out (laughs) ann is on the dance floor with a howard the douche the tuttleman clearly not studying which to far further the theme, Leslie's a little annoyed at. She is a little bit annoyed. Yeah. But at least she has that John Ralphio custom rap to like, you know, kind of hold on to, you know, K to the N to the OPE. She's dopest little shorty in all of Pawnee. Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you just stop at Pawnee? <laughs> I, I think this this dynamic between John Ralphio and Tom is terrific. And I think yeah. this is like the first time we're really kind of seeing in its full you know, yeah. function. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So this is a great uh, episode for Ben Schwartz. And he's got another one coming up a couple episodes from now as well. I agree. That's a good point. Up to now, we've seen him in very, very short little bursts and yeah. he's funny, but we don't get the full effect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here he's not quite hitting his groove tonight. Yeah. yeah. Which makes it actually a little funnier. <laughs> That is, yeah, because he's usually just so, yeah, whatever the hell he is, he's yeah. usually so that and confident, confident, I guess, is the yes, thing. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, just wait. Well, over at the VIP table, Anne and Leslie are going to catch up and try to get on the same page about someone's future, Mark. <laughs> well, <laughs> So Leslie sees Anne doing the Humpty dance or whatever <laughs> she's doing with the with the douche. So she walks over to her and, you know, they they greet each other happily like, hey, hey, you're here. <laughs> and, you know, there they, there seems to already be like a little tension between them, yeah. uh, like the Leslie, because she expected Anne to be prepping and not partying and Anne because it was a freaking ridiculous amount of stuff to do in the first place. And the hell's wrong with you? So the douche joins them a few moments later and Anne introduces them. It's it's pretty clear that Howard Tuttleman, the douche, uh, does not remember ever having met Leslie. No. Well, yeah, she basically, you know, I, I think she's kind of waiting for him to recognize her. But then he introduces himself. So you probably know me from my radio show, 93.7, Crazy Ira and the Douche. He's yeah. like, yeah, I was on your show. 
Oh, were you in the one where the strippers did math? Classic, right? (laughs) Oh, boy. It's a race to the bottom at this event tonight, Mark. Well, things aren't going well there between Leslie and Anne. And while we wait for that scenario to fester a bit, you know, kind of like an open wound. Yeah, yeah. uh, We're going to check in with April and Andy over at the high top tables. uh, Or should I say Janet and Bert? That's right. Yeah, we are having two famous personas meeting each other for the first time in history. Now, this is not the first time we've met Burt Macklin, and it's technically not the first time we've met a person who called herself Janet Snakehole. Right. But. Right. This is like when Hogan wrestled Flair. It's just like, you know, or, or, or something. I whatever. was going to totally say that. That was exactly yeah, the event that was on the top of my mind. Stop it. All right. So, <laughs> so yeah, we, we see we see April and Andy at the high top tables, uh, dressed up in their alter egos. Andy as Burt Macklin, FBI, yeah. and April as the... Uh, posh aristocratic widow Janet Snakehole. Yeah, I like that much better than Janet Snakehole, daughter of the owner of the Snakehole Lounge. Yeah, yeah. Then she's just a waitress going, "Give yeah. me stuff." Yeah, that, give that's me not stuff. fun. It was. This is fun. This is fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They are uh, so they're initially not standing by each other, but then they kind of like lock eyes, and they're all dressed up, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the thing. And then they lock eyes, and April kind of makes her way over to Andy, and I. <laughs> I, I can't even do this justice. Can we have Constantine play this clip? Let's do that, Mark. Yep. That's a great idea. Hello, strange person who I have never met before. Who are you? I'm Janet Snakehole. I'm a very rich widow with a terrible secret. Who are you? Burt Macklin, FBI. I was the best damn agent they had until I was framed for a crime I didn't commit. Stealing the president's rubies. Now I work alone. Lovely to meet you. I got to admit, uh, I thought your costume would maybe be a little bit sluttier. How dare you! (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. <laughs> I, I got to hand it to Aubrey Plaza. She she amps it up to 11 oh, when yeah. she does Janet Snakehole. This is just hysterical. Well, the visage is great, too, right? I mean, yeah. she's classic 40s dress. She's got like the long cigarette holder, the, the pillbox hat, which we'll see someone else wearing eventually. And, and like the little, you know, kind of lace veil around it. It's just it's such a great Halloween costume. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I know many of our viewers slash listeners have probably dressed up as Janet Snake, I'm going to guess. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to talk about that here. No, <laughs> I, for, I forgot. We upper brass out. says, no, no, we're not. Yeah. Sorry, Mark. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. That's all right. Well, over at the bar, we're going to check in with our favorite thruple. That is, of course, Tom, John Ralphio and Ron Swanson. Oh, wait, no. Do I understand what thruple means? You may not. Oh, OK. Yeah, we may need to revisit that. Yeah. Ron walks up to John Ralphio and Tom and Tom notices that, uh, I love the. I have to just say this. I love the the intro to this. This makes me laugh every single time. And honestly, I'm not sure why this strikes me as so funny. Yeah. Ron comes up, says, "Gentlemen, John Ralphio in his typical John <laughs> Ralphio way says, Swan song, how you living?'" Ron kind of looks at him for a beat. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that cracks me up so bad. Okay, sorry. So Tom notices that. Ron is drinking whiskey mm. instead of snake juice. And he goes, what's what's up with that? So he makes Ron a deal. Try it. And if you like it, you got to talk it up all night. If you don't like it, 
I'm going to shave John Ralphio's head. And Ron kind of grins and oh, looks yeah. at him and goes, okay, I'd like to see that. I accept and grabs the glass and downs it in one gulp. And I think you hear John Ralphio goes, a lot of riding on this <laughs> in the background. And Ron kind of looks to the side and kind of considers for a second. Mm-hmm. And you don't, because you don't know. Because no, I, no. I don't think, I don't think any, any of us know. I'm what looking it, for the shares at this point. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And instead, Ron goes, damn, if that isn't delicious, you know, to, to John. He's kind of disappointed, I think, because he really wanted to see that. I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're exactly right. So apparently he, this is this is a big coup for Tom. I mean, you and I, Alan, we know how this goes because well, we, sure. get, we get Ron Swanson's endorsement all the time. All the time. Tom is now learning. This. It's tough to get that. It really is. Yeah. Yep. R to the O to the N. I got to say, Ron Swanson's got swagger like the size of Big Ben. Clock. Clock. Dude, you got to end it on the rhyme. I know. I know what I have to do. Uh, you had it at Ben. I know. I got it. You know, in addition to the terrific Swanson rhyme there, Mark, there's a, a little montage of, of talking heads, jump cuts of Tom and all these great ideas. Because, uh, you know, Ron Raphael tells him, hey, you got to get on the Tommy Town Express. This oh, guy's yeah, got yeah. some of the best investment ideas ever. Yeah. And a couple of these are pretty interesting. And so if you listen, you've got uh, make a baby tuxedo clothing line. All right. Sure, why not? Yeah. Uh, a department store with a guest list. I like it. <laughs> uh, white fur earmuffs for men. Totally on board. I own a pair. Um, a new brand of bottled water called H2HO. <laughs> which, pay nice. attention because that comes back later a little bit different. Right. Contact lenses that display digital text messages. A good idea. It actually is a it good idea. It actually is a good yeah. idea. I think uh, the, the Amazon frames, I think, do that. But lenses, not yet. Invent a phone that smells good. That's the most important. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to agree that that didn't exist yet. And then, you know, he wants to have a, a nightclub that is called Eclipse. It's only open for one hour, two times a year. Cover charge, $5,000. Yep. And he's not out. Like, he just stopped, I think, for our benefit. Oh, yeah. He lets like, us know. If I you guys have caught your breath, I can keep going. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. Which, thankfully, we don't have to listen to. No. <laughs> At least not tonight. But, you know, like you said, a couple ideas. <clears throat> There's some keepers on that list. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, for every good entrepreneur, I'm sure they had 30 ideas for every one that made it that they threw away. Yeah. Well, like for, for every good idea, you have 30 Tommy Freshes. Uh, but in one good smelling phone. <laughs> Not when Tommy Fresh is around. No, that's true. But yeah. Well, back over at the high tables, there has been a murder or something. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> we April in full on uh, Janet Snake Hall uh, oh voice and attire and persona. I think she's talking to some random bar patrons yeah. at, at their, their uh, high, yeah. high tables there. Mm-hmm. Um while pounding down, I, I'm guessing I'd like to think she's pounding down snake juice. I, I don't know that is. this is the case. I think she's case. just forgetting to promote it. She's just I, I think so right. into her persona. And so she's just she's just talking gibberish. I mean, like just and it's not a conversation. It's not like, hey, how are you? And you're asking questions. No. It's like, you think I haven't been around the world? I've been everywhere, darling. I'm a very wealthy woman. My husband's kept me in the finest clothing from Bergdorf Goodman, you see. And then all of a sudden, Andy, <laughs> just like a dumb laboratory recre- retriever, like because April's got this persona that's so yeah. well crafted. And yeah. then Andy's just like, freeze, FBI. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> I didn't kill anybody and I didn't burn down the mill either. My sister did it, but now she's been eaten by wolves. <laughs> Smashes the glass and runs off. I, this whole thing is just hysterical. I love her as Janet Andy Snake says Hole. to the couple as, as Bert, 
nothing to see here. Yeah, move along. <laughs> well, over at the Douche Central, oh, no. things are continuing to come unhinged between Leslie and Anne. And I think Howard at this point is just kind of along for the ride. <laughs> yeah, as he usually is. Yeah. So we it, the scene starts with Anne and the douche are kind of holding hands. Like I I guess they're hitting it off. Like kind of. It's I'll just going to say everything from this point forward including the scene we just encountered is snake juice fueled, Mark. You got to remember that. Mm, that's a good and point. I'm pretty sure the hand holding and any intimacy with Howard Tuttleman is fueled by that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Not real life or anything that we Correct. want to remember. Yeah. Yeah. So as you pointed out, Alan, things start to escalate a, a little bit here. So here's just a, a short summary. Anne tells Leslie she can't get her book back from, you know, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> Leslie says it's her fault for lending it to, to what's his name in the first place. Because, you know, on account of Anne's boyfriends come and go so fast. And Anne goes, what the hell Wait, does what that you what, what, what does that mean? And then <laughs> Anne tries to point out to Leslie that that's the point. You try on different hats. And this is my AKA. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Leslie tells her this particular hat, this 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 douche hat mm-hmm. is an idiot. Classic. <laughs> Classic. Which I like that he doesn't take offense at he that. He loves it. Or doesn't, and then at one point, doesn't Anne say something like, you know, I don't know how long it's going to last them. He's dumb, but fun. Thank you. Well, and even before that, he's like, let's be honest. How long is it going to last with this guy? And he goes, uh, sitting right here. Sitting right here. <laughs> um, so at this point, they've both said some stuff. I like I like the way you put it. They're kind of picking at each other. They're, this isn't a yeah. full-blown fight yet. Yeah, this is a razor blade fight at this point, and they're each getting in little slashes. Right, right. And then there's like this awkward silence at the end. They think the other is mad at them, and they're probably right. Looks like you two need to kiss and make up. All right. Oh my god. (laughs) Well, now that Ron has reluctantly admitted how delicious snake juice is, (laughs) (laughs) he's willing to do his part to tell... He's willing to do his part to help Tom out. This is just a short little clip. So Ron comes up to a couple of random club patrons and recommends Snake Juice. Let's have Constantine play this as well. Let's do that. Yeah. Hello, my name is Ron Swanson. In general, I try never to speak with people, but I have been drinking this snake juice thing and it's damn good. You should buy it. Okay. Thanks, man. Son, you should know that my recommendation is essentially a guarantee. Drink this now. <laughs> you know, not only is that a really a great, you know, Rontastic moment, yeah. but you know what I've always thought from the moment I first saw the scene? Yeah. This is the Ron is Inigo Montoya scene. Because <laughs> you remember the great, you know, the, the master swordsman from yep. the Princess Bride. Yep. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare, Prepare to, to die. die. Yeah. Hello, my <laughs> name is Ron Swanson. Cut. You yep. kill my father. Prepare to. I, it just. I don't know. It just meshes together so well for me. I have problems. <laughs> I love how he. You know, most people have a serving suggestion. Mark, this is more of a serving command. You know, drink yeah. this now. Drink this now, son. My recommendation <laughs> is a guarantee. Over at the bar, Tom sees Chris come in and is glad to finally have some Jägermeister. I mean, Traegermeister to join in on the fun. <laughs> So, yeah, Tom is happy to see Chris at first, but Chris is not there to drink. As a matter of fact, I think he tells Tommy believes an ounce of snake juice would literally kill Kill him. him. Yep. Yes. And instead, he warns Tom that using government employees to promote his own personal ventures is a breach of ethics. And furthermore, he's got to sell his shares of the snake hole lounge if he wants to keep his job. Well, you know, first of all, it would kill Chris because it's 140 proof, yeah. which means it's 70% alcohol. Yeah. 
But don't worry about, you know, falling asleep because there's plenty of caffeine in there to keep you. Plenty. Awake. Yes. Oh. And I, I do like that John Ralphio tried to have Tom's back at first because oh, yeah. he, he didn't does know this who guy Chris bother is. UT Payne? Yeah. Yeah. And like, well, this is my boss. Like, all right. And then I, I love that the response he, he like says to Chris because John yeah. Ralphio is this master rapper. That's so, rapist, Mark. <laughs> no, Jerry. Oh, my gosh. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're his boss. You want me to write a rap about your name? Chris. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Just very earnest. Like, okay, yeah. I'm ready. Yeah, he's ready. B to the O to the double S. Do what they say and you be successful. Full. <laughs> oh my God. Love it. Well, Mark, now we're going to have the first of two scenes that really give this episode its name. And, uh, you know, no take backs from this point. That's probably. right. You, you think we should just have Constine play this? Yes, I do. This Let's is a good scene. That. All right. No offense, but maybe you think I'm going too fast because you're going too slow with that. No offense, but I'm going slow because I might lose my job. I mean, no offense, but maybe that's a little bit of an excuse for not acting on your feelings. No offense, but I don't remember you having a nursing degree in feelings. Offense, that's rude. I'm going to go dance. Do sure up. Hey, are you okay? I heard yelling. Yeah, I'm very angry and I'm really drunk. Do you want to dance with me? Go get me another snort juice. <laughs> oh, that's that's maybe not the best idea for you. Forget it. John Ralphio. Yes, I'm here. Dance up on me. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Mark, what do you call that? Do you call that anger dancing there at the that, end? That's angry dancing. That's you know, angry like, dancing, like yeah, I'm yeah. going to come up here and I'm going to dance. I'm going to get right next to you, right next to you and I'm going to do it because I'm angry. I'm going to out dance you. Dance off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I saw that movie. Oh, my gosh. Well, I thought I saw a movie called Face Off. It was different. That's different. Yeah. Yeah. So at, at the end of this, though, you know, the, we, so Ann and, and Leslie have both pounding back shots and they're angry dancing out there. I think Ben's a little stymied at what just happened here. And, yeah. and Andy comes up. He's a good guy. He's trying to do his best, you know, to help his buddy Ben out. And he's like, well, what's going on? And like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what just happened here. And then Andy <laughs> is going to help him out. And he says, you know, you should try role play. Yeah. Because that's what that's what me and April do. And well, well that explains that. That would explain the outfit. That's right. <laughs> and and he actually says, you got to dream up some weird scenario like you're her boss and sex is forbidden because she works for you. <laughs> and he just looks at him and says, that is our actual situation the literal one in fact yeah and she's addicted to spanking (laughs) we're good okay thanks oh my god well he was helpful at first his intentions are good they're always good yeah 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 well mark we're now going to have round two and maybe round three depending on how you count these Mm. of the eponymous fight and it's uh turning out to be very boozy i mean quite a doozy yes yeah things are continuing to ramp up uh, between Ann and Leslie as they get increasingly drunk and increasingly belligerent with each other. So now they're they're not on the dance floor. They're not doing angry dance. No. They're they're not using they're not using angry dance as the <laughs> the the weapon of choice. No. They're just now it's just like just it's on. Like they're I think they're in the hallway outside the bathroom, I want to say. I don't know why, but when I think of like sparring through angry dancing, I feel like it's got to be a Mike Myers movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
he, get to work on that mic. Yeah. Let he, us know if you need to do a good job. Yeah, yeah he would. Um, so I think they're in the hallway outside the bathroom and they're just like yelling at each other. And and it's funny because it's a very narrow hallway. And yes. so they're and, and they're standing there. They're, <laughs> they're basically blocking the hallway. They are. The so if 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 a woman wants to go to the restroom, she has to kind of and squeeze in the middle yeah. of them. It's very awkward, you know. And after the second one, Leslie just finally turns to her and goes, excuse me. <laughs> She's mad. Um, but uh, it, I mean, they're just now they're just sniping at each other. You know, it, it, like it, if you're worried about Chris, it doesn't matter. He's fine with it. You talk to Chris before you talk to me. And I think <laughs> Leslie even has a little uh talking head word she said it's very cogent too and mm-hmm. you know she's totally thoughtful it's a really good talking head it is but d- doesn't it take place like here at the snake hole here here at the snake hole lounge it, it does but i think maybe this is earlier before she's really really drunk i was curious about yeah. that because i think you're right because she does sound very lucid and yeah. yeah it's her first fight she believes honest discussion between friends could lead to deeper intimacy. Yep. Uh, this is a watershed moment in their relationship. It's yep. important that they fight clean. Yep. All we need to do is focus and stay calm. You're stupid and you're drunk and you're stupid. <laughs> so, so much, so much for that game plan. And, 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 uh, you know, I almost said my AKA, the title of my B story. You really did. So th- this, this wraps up. Now they're in the bathroom, which yeah. I guess is where all good fights take place. Yeah. And, Broken mirror glass, Mark, is what they're headed for here. <laughs> and, and it ends up with with Leslie finally summing up her her um, her position by saying, I'm sorry I thought about you for the job. All right. If I sometimes if I don't push you in the right direction, you end up standing still. I was just trying to do you a favor. And and mm. angry and says, well, enough with your favors. OK, stop. And now the you know, awkward silence like, well, maybe we shouldn't work together then. Well, maybe we shouldn't. And storms out of the bathroom and Leslie just looks devastated. You know, I think what's particularly poignant about this fight is there's some truth in it for both of them. You know, they in their drunken state here, all bets were off and they kind of went for the gut punch, you know, the mm-hmm. kidney punch here. Mm-hmm. And they they found each other soft spots, you know, yeah, and can kind of get stalled out and get stuck. And Leslie is pretty much always trying to go a little over the top, not only for herself, but everyone else around her. So it's hard to hear that. Which which can be a great benefit if that energy is channeled appropriately. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this scene is also where my AKA came from. You know, I just meant you were being stupid and you were acting like a jerk. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) She's trying to mansplain that away and it didn't work very well. Yup. Yeah. Well, Mark, I have tried intermittent fasting, but I've never done a cleanse. Have you? I have never done a cleanse on purpose. Yeah, me either. No. So apparently we're missing out. Yeah, yeah. I think we are. But Chris is talking to Donna about this this cleanse that she's doing, which he has done before. Sure. And and it should be noted that neither one of them have drunk any alcohol. They're the only ones. They're the tonight. only ones. Yeah, I think um, in the entire bar. Yes. And, and and he's you know saying about how this cleanse is great and it heightens your senses and it makes you alert. And Donna mm-hmm. kind of looks around at these no good nicks all drunk off their stuff and says someone's got to be alert tonight. And then almost as if to punctuate her point by how crazy <laughs> everyone is, we then have this is just this is just freaking absolute comedy gold. It's a series of drunken jump cuts yeah and it's highlighting one person at a time i call these drunken heads mark i like it these drunken heads with everybody acting either completely crazy or spouting gibberish or both um and my god it's hard to even do this justice i don't think we can the uh 
so I mean, I'll just go through them real quick. The first one is Leslie just spouting complete. She's clearly very upset with mm-hmm. what happened with her and Anne. <laughs> and she, she says, you don't even know one thing. I didn't even say one thing. And then she asked me the whole thing and I didn't even do it once. What are you talking about? But she's very upset. And Tom, I love Tom. I'm like an elephant. I walk into a room is like, okay, he's in there. <laughs> and then, and, and I think her talking, her drunken head, excuse yeah. me, her drunken head and Jerry's were added, I think in the producer's cut, if I remember right. I, I think you're right. I think it's a slightly shorter sequence. Yeah. Um, so, and I won't, I won't elongate this, but this is where, you know, Ben has his baba <laughs> and these snickers like he's so cool. Um, and then April's like spouting Spanish gibberish, which is just classic. Um, and then ending it with the best of all drunken heads ever in the history of ever. And Ron is just dance, crazy dancing to music with April's little Janet Snakehole pillbox hat on his head. Um, type in Ron dancing in any browser, any browser. and you're going to get tons of dimes. Yep. This will pop up for sure. So funny. I think the only two we didn't mention, Mark, real quick. Well, first, Anne is very drunk, you know. Yes. I'm not going to tell oh, yeah. that <laughs> bitch over there. I don't need to brag. And this woman's just like, what? Right, right. <laughs> Why are you dragging to me and you're drunk and crazy? Right. And then Andy's little song. I, you know, I, I looked and I wasn't sure. Was this on the super deluxe uh, edition of the Mouse Rat album? I don't know? think it was. Farts and poop and love and stuff. Macaroni salad. <laughs> He's so drunk. <laughs> well, Mark, many times as a youth, I had the chance to be a designated driver because I was just that nice. Aww. But I don't think I ever hogtied anyone to my roof. I feel like I missed out. Well, you do what you have to do. Yes. Everybody at this point is is crammed into Donna's car, making it appear as well, though Anne it's a clown a cab, car. Right? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Anne took Tom's a cab. Tom's in the trunk. Tom's in the trunk and Jerry's <laughs> on the roof, which, you know, I guess that's appropriate. Um, and she warns him, if anyone dry heaves, they're out. They're, 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 out. they're, yeah, they're all it. walking home. <laughs> I love that Donna's like, all right, where to first? And Leslie goes, your mother's butt. <laughs> <laughs> and they all laugh. And then you hear John Ralphio quietly from the back. Yeah, I know. I'm so alone. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it's just so sad. It's a little sad but in the middle of, of a lot of funny. Yeah. Well, from there, Mark, it's the next morning and nearly everybody is feeling their regrets from uh, drinking a little too much snake juice. Is regrets like regrets, but with more upchuck? It, it's the tattoo you get that's when you're really drunk and they spell it wrong and you don't even notice. Oh, that. Yeah, it's that yeah. one. Yeah. I've had regrets. So, yeah, the next morning, Ben comes into Leslie's office to remind her that they need to do the uh, the interviews for the new health director or health department PR director position. Uh. And Ben comes into her office to find her laying on the floor behind her desk. <laughs> and Ben is not in much better shape. Like no. they both look like death warmed over. Right. As do the rest of the gang in and around the bullpen, except for Ron freaking Swanson, who is apparently not hungover in the slightest. And he like he, that bastard whistling. He jauntily walks in whistling, <laughs> carrying a, a several bags of fast food and uh, telling the gang to eat up. Apparently the protein sucks up the sugar or something to that degree. And I, I do love they kind of pan around like as they're all looking at Ron annoyed, like he's all jaunty. You know, they're well, and I think they're about to gag too, thinking he, about greasy burgers and fries. And there's a great shot of uh, April. 
and she's this is just like for two <laughs> seconds and she's sitting at her desk i think this is the only shot in the whole episode yep. of it. She's, doing it. she's sitting at her desk and she's got two large pillows duct taped yes. to her head that's yep. brilliant <laughs> i've wanted those pillows before me too yeah you call it monday every day yup well, I love that Ben, you know, when he first meets Leslie in, in her office and helps her get up off the floor, yeah, she's like, I'm so hungover. I've never been this hungover. And he's like, I feel great. I ran 5K this morning. Really? <laughs> no, I threw up in the shower. <laughs> okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> more realistic. Yeah. Well, Leslie and Ben are now faced with actually conducting these interviews. And that's a mark as long as they just don't die. So they're they're interviewing a candidate. So it's just the two of them sitting at a table in a room with the candidate. And then, you know, they get through with their interview. The candidate gets up, leaves the room. And you're you're watching Ben and Leslie and they seem somewhat like kind of semi professional, like they like like maybe a little tired, but yeah. they're kind of holding it together. Yeah. Maybe Can- the coffee's kicking in. Candidate leaves the room and they start moaning in pain like, oh, we're, we're going to die. We're going to die any second. <laughs> Leslie kind of laments to Ben about her fight with Anne, adding that she owes her several apologies and probably owes him one, too. Mm-hmm. And when she asked what when asked what for, she says, I don't know. Are, are you OK? No, I'm just sad. And that's it. That's mm-hmm. like she's just really she's really, really, really down. I love that there's a scene. It'd normally be a talking head, but there's no dialogue. Leslie goes up to one of the Jan Cooper signs where it basically says, Jan, how could you? Right. And she crosses out Jan and writes Leslie. Right. Leslie, how could you? So just I think she's ashamed of herself. You I know? think she is. Yeah. 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 And I think this whole thing with, you know, this, you know, this not being able to connect with Ben because of their jobs things yep. also weighing on her, too. Oh, so yeah. It's yeah. all in there. Well, from here, Mark, April, I think being the youngest of the bunch is doing far better than anyone else. I think you're in right. These next two scenes. Yeah. Well, I don't think that April is quite ready to. She's taking the pillows off. She's <laughs> she has taken the pillows <laughs> off. And. I don't think that she's ready to say goodbye to the Janet Snakehole persona. Yeah. And so we have a, a couple scenes here where it seems like she's kind of trying to revive maybe a little bit of the fun yeah. from last night. And so the first is maybe just like a, a, a test volley <laughs> where or a, a, like a test, a shot, a salvo over the yeah. over the over the, the thing where you, you shoot it. Th- um, that's a net. Is that where it is? Yeah. So it, it, Jerry comes up and Jerry's not doing well. And no. Jerry just kind of comes up and puts some folders on the corner of her desk. And before before Jerry walks away, she puts her little pillbox hat back on and starts doing a little bit of the Janet Snickle yeah. voice. Like, a, uh, say, thanks, chum. I'll get these papers delivered for you. And I'm just trying Chum's to taste. And then Jerry is not just whatever. Just he's not even having it at all. And then she's she kind of lets her hat drop to the desk. She's kind of disappointed. And then the next scene we see uh, Andy is shining Kyle's shoes. And he looks like he's about to pass out. Like he looks in Isn't rough, Kyle saying something shape. like, uh, the doctor says it's probably not serious, but it might be. Oh, Kyle, please stop talking. <laughs> and, and, and April approaches in her Janet Snakehole persona right. and starts, I just – 
I adore this weird combination of old timey gibberish that she's a she says, oh, ring a ding ding. Who's calling? Oh, is it Janet Snake? Oh, why, yes, it is. And who's she calling for? Mr. Burt Macklin. And I'll tell you another thing, thing going down, thing going down the thing. And there you go. And you're going real fast now. And who's this? Sorry, Charlie, the sad sack of potatoes. <laughs> Kyle's just looking at her like he can't even believe what's happening. And finally, Andy says, honey, please, I, I love you. No offense, but. Bert Macklin died last night after the 10th <laughs> shot of snake juice. And April just kind of looks at him and takes yeah. her hat off. And she's like clearly disappointed and using her normal voice. Like, all right, sorry. And she mm-hmm. turns around and starts to like, kind of like mope walk away. And Andy's watching her. And all of a sudden he's like, he's summons whatever strength he can whatever to try he can. and play along a little he's gonna bit. He's going to try. Yeah. Bert Macklin may be dead, but I'm his brother, <laughs> Kip uh, Hackman. Why would you have to change his last name? Shut up, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he says, "This is this is like all he's got. Is he it? didn't have anything. It's he's pretty like, good, though. I know you boosted those paintings." <laughs> and then she says, uh, "Well, maybe it was me, but I'll never tell you where they are, and you'll never have my body either." And she runs <laughs> off. And at first, it looks like Andy is going to try and get up and like engage and chase her. Gets up, his whole body has a spasm. Sits back down, vomits all over Kyle's shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you think Kyle will tip him twice today? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Mark, you know, that we talked about the differences between the producer's cut and the standard cut. Yeah. This is a really good example where two different things happened in this one scene that were different between the two scenes. I don't know if you caught this. Hmm. So April's dialogue in the standard cut is much more clear. It's less gibberishy and uh, yeah. it's not as fun. They yeah. used an alt take in the producer's cut, which was far better. Yeah. And then Andy... <clears throat> And then Andy, when he goes to give chase and can't do it, he has a spasm while he's still pointed in April's direction and just vomits forward in the hallway instead of on Kyle. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I do much better that. this way. Yeah. I wonder if you had 3D glasses, if that would be like an effect. <laughs> Maybe that was one of those uh, tricks they do to get viewership. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 I love I, I just love the whole gibberish thing. When's the last time that you called someone a sad sack of potatoes? <laughs> You don't hear that that often. No, and Andy's playing along. He's writing character two, talking about her boosting the painting. Yeah, yeah. And so it's all for, it's He's pretty trying. good. He's trying. But He's I think trying. you're right. She's a little younger than everybody, and I think she's able to recover and bounce back a little yeah. better. The, it was the pillow Ron. treatment. It helped. I bet it is. Yeah. yeah. And Ron just drank some rum this morning and had some greasy He's burgers. Fine. Yeah. He's fine. Well, Tom's run as the owner of the Snake Hole Lounge may be over, but I don't think we've seen the last of entrepreneur Tom. I think you are exactly right. And so th- this kind of Tom is just bummed. He's bummed about the whole thing that that Chris, you know, gave him the ultimatum for. We see John Raphael giving him a check. He's selling them to John Raphael, I guess, his yeah, shares of the snake. Lounge. Like- um, Donna comes in and kind of gives her consolations. You know, it's not going to be the same without you there. And then that's well, what, what the hell? Like you, you, Donna, you have shares as well. Why don't you have to sell them? And she says two things. First, because <laughs> Chris doesn't know. And then she rounds on John Ralphio and looks him right in his John Ralphio face and says, snitches get stitches. Donna, come on. Nope, don't. <laughs> and Donna leaves him. 
Tom just laments to John Ralphio about how much this sucks. You know, the, yep. the scene, the scene ends with us looking through the window in Tom's office, seeing a shot of, I think it's Ron making coffee. Yeah. And he's clear. Ron's clearly aware of what's, what's happening here. And he's kind of looking at Tom with a somewhat concerned look on yeah. his face. I can tell he knows kind of what's going on. I don't know if he can actually hear it, but he knows that Tom he gets the is, gist. Yeah. He's been forced to sell his shares, he knows that much. And right. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing I love too is, you know, we had the kind of Ron versus Sean Ralphio earlier mm-hmm. at the bar. Mm-hmm. And now we've got Donna versus John Ralphio. I mm-hmm. love that these are the two people that completely can shut him down. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. And Donna does. Yep. Well, Mark, we're over at Ann's house and like the others we've already seen today, Ann is having a hard time recovering from her fun last night. Oh, yeah. But she does have a leg up or maybe two on on winter anyway in four or five months. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's uh, (laughs) Ben. Ben comes to her house, knocks on the door and answers. uh, She's wearing snow pants. (laughs) (laughs) looking like an absolute wreck. Um, She goes ahead and lets him inside. As long as he's quiet, it's fine with her. And you know what? This is such a sweet clip. Let's have Constantine play this one as well. All right, let's do it. Leslie doesn't know I'm here. Oh, God. So high school. I can't believe that Leslie and I got drunk in a bar and fought about boys. We're so much better than that. I just keep having flashes of things that we said to each other and she's so important to me. I, I acted like such a dick. I don't know you that well, but you're clearly very important to Leslie, and that must mean you're a pretty great person. I know she feels awful. I mean, technically, we all do. Yeah. What the <laughs> hell is in snake juice? Demerol? All I know is Leslie's always talking about how lucky she is to have you as a friend. And I just wanted you to know that. You're nice. I can see why she likes you. When did she say, likes me? Oh, God, this is so high school. Just rent a limo, (laughs) ask her to the prom. I'm sure she'll say yes. All right. That's terrific. And that that was just a a very sweet scene. I mean, there is a little bit that was funny there, but like a lot of times in the past, they just kind of let it be, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, and I don't think we've had a lot of great Ben and scenes nope. before. So great point. You know, the, these two who are, I think they're going to have some really funny scenes together trying to keep up with Leslie, you know, and because they're the linchpins of Leslie's life. They are. Well, or Ben is about to yeah. be. Yeah, I mean, and we know that later they're going to have a support group, you know, about gift giving and such. So pretty yep. good stuff coming up too there. Well, Mark, back in Chris's office, Ron has his libertarian hackles up and I have to kind of agree with him. Yeah, this is kind of a continuation of Ron being rather upset or concerned about all this nonsense going on with Tom mm-hmm. having to sell his shares. Yeah. And Tom's really bummed. And so Ron's in Chris's office and just says it point blank. He doesn't understand. He's making something of himself. He's trying to get off the, the government teat, as it were. Mm-hmm. And we punish him like that doesn't make any sense. And, you know, <laughs> Chris has a great little thing here. Where like it's like Ben says, no, that's my little trope for it. Love it. Where he says, you know, I'm sorry, my hands are tied. I, I wish I wish there was something we could do, but there's not. Ben, is there something we can do? And then the camera goes over <laughs> to Ben's desk, which is empty because we know he's over at Ann's. And you actually hear Chris go, damn it. Ben's not here because <laughs> he depends on him for that. He really as, does. As the yes. guy that says no. That's right. He needs and, him to be bad cop. But to your point, Ron makes a really sweet and good point 
saying, look, Tom's not scamming anybody. He's yeah. not savvy enough to manipulate the system like that. He's a kid chasing a goofy dream. And Chris, I think Chris gets it. And yet he's like, look, my hands are tied. I think it's a good example of one apple ruins the whole bunch. You know, there are yep. rules like this in place because not everybody is as naive and as well-intentioned as Tom is. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. But, eh. but let's not talk about that because that's not as funny. No. Yeah. Well, Mark, Dennis Cooper gives it one last try to save his job, but it's really time for the next candidate to interview. And that's literally Ann Perkins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we see the beginning of this scene. Apparently, Dennis Cooper is is interviewing and Leslie says, you know, and, and he just said, I, I just want you to let, my, let you know my wife's horrible. And Leslie's like, I appreciate that. But, you know, we can't give you your job back. You sound just, just like, like her. her. And she, he leaves. And then who's next? Who walks in? But Ann. And. She still kind of looks like death warmed over. Like it's like, bad. Like the snow not, pants are gone. Like a little bit. She's the snow pants are gone. That's true. But her sweater is uh, is inside out and is backwards. But she's there. Yeah. And and she tells uh, Leslie that she had some encouragement looking directly at Ben, which Leslie catches and kind of looks, you know, back and forth between them. Um, and then there, there's just some really sweet, you know, scenes where where they're they're obviously trying to make up but they're kind of masking it by instead of saying i'm yeah. really sorry like well this committee <laughs> the, this committee would like to know if you are the kind of candidate who could <clears throat> forgive someone after they've behaved like a jackass well this candidate could especially because this candidate also behaved like a total jackass oh the committee understands <laughs> <laughs> so i mean that's nice yeah like they both realize they they kind of screwed up and well, then she shifts in the serious mode and says, you know, and I can also talk about my qualifications right. for the position. But first, I'm going to go throw up in a wastebasket. <laughs> well, says, may I join you? Would you mind if I joined you? Not at all. Shall we? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> well, Mark, I love this next scene. It's a very clever montage with a voiceover. It's not exactly a talking head, although it does end in something of a traditional talking head. And we learned the most important life lesson of all. This is really good. And it's it's hard to convey this via a podcast because there's so much of this that's visual, but I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll do my best. Like you said, we have a Leslie talking head that serves as a voiceover to a lot of different things. So Leslie starts out by saying, Anne came in the next day and had a second interview with Chris. And we see Anne sitting with Chris and handing him her resume and, and talking with him. Um, and then she goes on to Leslie goes on to say she nailed it, of course, but she doesn't want to totally leave her job. So they struck up a deal. And in the background for this, the interview is apparently ending. Chris stands up, shaking Anne's hand, smiling. So apparently things have gone well. Yep. Leslie, she works at City Hall part time and two days a week. She still gets to be the greatest nurse in the world. So the background for this, it shows Anne and Leslie hugging in the hallway and celebrating Anne's great news. Win win. That's Leslie at her desk. Yeah. And then this the one, best kind of compromise, my Mark, I might I might add the the win win. Yeah. 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 Much better than win lose. And then and then there's a really nice moment here where, where Leslie says, we need to remember what's important in life. Friends, waffles and work. And, and what's happening here while she says the sentence is Ron has built a special wooden case mm -hmm. to hold a bottle of snake juice. And Tom opens it and we see two things. Number one, a bottle of snake juice is inside, obviously. And yep. number two, the inside of the case lid has a single word onward. And Tom kind of looks through his window to Ron's office and they both kind of lock eyes and just kind of nod at each other. That's good stuff. You it's know, really good. We, we see that Ron, 
kind of has Tom's back. Like he's he's proud of him. Well, and he's encouraging him to keep doing it. Yes. Keep going. And then Leslie ends it up, you know, so she just said, well, we need to remember what's important in life. Friends waffle work or waffles friends work. It doesn't matter. But work Work is is third. third. That's right. Amen to that. Yes. Yes. And I would say for, you know, friends and family, waffles and work, work is third. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Totally agree. Well, Mark, all that's left at this point is the kicker. And we listen in as Tom and the gang check in with crazy Ira and the douche. Yeah, and the the douche is just kind of re- recounting his uh, his adventures. I think this is the one uh, voiceover that Matt Besser lands. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and so he's basically telling Crazy Ira about it. he's at the, the club last night with this really super hot chick, um, and you know, and he's doing the dumb. More like a dude, I bet. Yeah, oh, me so horny. Hello, and so he said, no, 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 no. She spent the whole night, and 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 by the way. I think there's got to be like six of the gang maybe yeah. are all in Leslie and Tom shared office. Yeah. And Tom's. Com- I'm certain Tom is the one tuned in. Oh, yes. Yes. Tom, no it's, it's Tom's computer that's yeah. playing it via yeah, the yeah, Internet, yeah. I think. Yeah, there you go. And so, you know, the douche says like, oh, did you, you know, did you wet your whistle? And and he said, no, no, no. She spent the whole night talking to her friend arguing about their feelings. And Leslie's really excited <laughs> when she heard that's that. Me. Like, that's me. Like, who knows? She's probably a lesbian. They were in the bathroom a long time. And Tom is just cracking up like this is the funniest thing he's ever uh, heard. It almost makes me giddy to see how giddy he gets at this. I know. You know, fade I, to black. Fade to black. Not, not my taste personally, but, you know, I did enjoy watching Tom enjoy it. There you go. Yeah, I agree. Right. And yep, I think yep. the rest of the game kind of feels the same way, frankly. Yep. Yep. Well, Mark, that was a great breakdown. I have a suggestion. Yes. You'll be shocked by this. No. But I think we should take a break. Oh. And when we come back. We'll finish up some stuff and we'll go home. I think that is a capital idea, good boy. <laughs> Excellent, sir. Let's do that. <laughs> I don't know. This is my best day for That's all I got. <laughs> all right, this, sorry, Charlie, with this sack of potato. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Sack of potatoes, something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. All right, everybody. We'll be right back. Connoisseur, person who is especially competent to pass judgment in matters of taste, juice, the natural liquid from a plant, or one of its parts. Snake, any of numerous limbless, scaly, elongate reptiles of the suborder Serpentes, comprising venomous and non-venomous species inhabiting tropical and temperate areas. Snake juice, the connoisseur's juice. Any questions? All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, like we normally do, I'll talk through deleted scenes really quickly. We only had five of them here. They ran about four minutes and 17 seconds. And I think functionally, we had basically an extended version of the cold opening with a little more of the team fighting in the middle of this special cold open. Like there's some Donna lines where they're just fighting a little more before, you know, the you know, they turn into Animal Farm there and stuff. Right, right. Um, you know, there's another scene where Chris wants Leslie to choose a replacement um, but he, he, then they get into this thing where Chris has got some cupping done. If you know what cupping is, it yes. looks so freaking painful. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of glad they cut it cause I didn't want to look at yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. 
Um, and then, you know, I think the douche is feeling blessed and Anne and Leslie have a conversation. And then there's uh, something about Rumspringa and Anne versus Wild. And it's there's not a lot here that I felt like we were missing, quite honestly. I, I would agree. I mean, my thought was I, I watched it very briefly and there's not a lot, first of all. Second is because we have a producer's cut, we already have. Yeah, I think the, the they already have the ability to include even more of the good stuff than normal. So there's probably not going to be a lot. And there are at least half of those scenes where I was kind of looking very carefully to say, like, well, what's the difference between that and what was aired? That's number four and number five. And you know what it was? Uh, N- nice segue, by the way. Thanks. Yeah. It's almost as if we talked about this, yeah, which yeah. we did not. Yeah. Um, it's just alternative music. So I think what happened is in the ones they used in the scenes, it's music that's identifiable and they actually paid somebody a license fee. Mm. The ones that are in the alts here are the ones that they put generic music in in case they couldn't get the licenses. Oh, I see. It's kind of interesting if you think about that it to put that yeah. in a producer's cut because it's a little bit of what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. So, kind of fun. Well, Mark, on tropes first and fun facts, I had a kind of a short list. How about you? I came up with four firsts. We'll see That's what pretty the, good we'll, for you. We'll see. I know. We'll see what the judges say. All right. What you got? So the first one is a gimme. Leslie and Ann's first fight because the got that one. Um, the first time Ann is employed with the pony government. I, I it's the first time. And I know I keep harping on this, but it's the first time that Ben or Leslie like Ben definitively, mm. definitively learned that Leslie likes him. That's true. Like none of this hinting around or yeah. anything. Um, Just ask her to take, the prom. Take her to the prom. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. And I also had. And I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to make you disprove it if you don't think it is. Ron is proud of Tom for the first time because you think about where he came from in Hunting Trip. Holy cow. Yeah. You know, No, that's good, actually. Um, I think he would maybe proud of him for different reasons before, but it would be in the ways in which he disrupted government <laughs> and that Ron appreciated that. Right. I think here he's proud of him as a guy, as a dude. You know what I mean? Like right. The entrepreneur side of Tom. I think that's what he's proud of. Yeah. 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 yeah I think point. that's a good call out. How about you? Did I miss any? No. Um, I just had the first snake juice. The first time we ever see snake juice. I think it might be the last two though. So it doesn't really qualify. That, that's what I was wondering yeah. too. I almost had that as a first. Yep. Um, for, How about tropes? Uh, how'd you do there? For tropes, I actually had six. Okay. Uh, I, I, I had to be sure you to- You outdid put, me on all of these, by the way. So <laughs> I, we're going to have a fight after this. The fight. Um, I had a CMH, our new trope for Councilman Hauser. Like Leslie yeah, always bumps into him, embarrasses yeah. him, et cetera. Thanks to yep. loyal podcast viewer Jumbo C um, for pointing that out. Or I'm going to be sure to mention that every time it's uh, applicable. I have a TTM- Tom the Mogul, which I want to say is one that you started. Yeah, I think that was, yeah, we we had that a while back. So good call out. Um, punching Bag Jerry. Yep. A little bit. Punching Bag Kyle. Yep. Got both those. Uh, BSN, Ben says no. Damn, sorry, everyone. Because he's done that before. <laughs> he did it. it was, um, ben wasn't there this time. Ben wasn't there that time. <laughs> and I also had AVJ, April versus Jerry. Because it oh, just seemed what, like yeah. a little bit, I know that yeah. everybody was arguing, but it particularly seemed a little yeah. rare when they started to- Talk. And I loved in this one that Jerry just had had enough of April too. Yeah. 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 So it didn't really work in that regard. But What'd yeah. you have? I, I basically had a lot of the same ones. I think I did forgotten about our acronym for Tom though. I just said entrepreneur Tom. But other than ET. that, we had the exact same ones. Yeah. 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 Nice job. How about uh, goofs or fun facts? I had one of each. I didn't have any goofs. I did have 
one fun fact, which is uh, about the, the the drunken head jump cut sequence. Uh, it would just apparently the, the the content of each one was improvised by every single actor, which was kind of cool. No, that's good. I, I think on the fun facts I had, um, you know, this was another one of that, you know, back in 2019, they did the top 10 list. Miss Mojo, you know, that, that that TV show. Oh, yeah. Did the top 10. This is on that list. Um, Baba Booey, mm-hmm. uh, I thought was interesting, is apparently an homage to the Howard Stern show producer, a guy named Gary Delabate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not a big Howard Stern fan. I don't dislike him. I just don't really watch the show or listen yeah. to the show. So I didn't know that. So, But Amy Poehler and Mike Schur, both are fans. And that's where they came up with the Baba Booey. That's fun. Yeah. Um, on the goof side, this is not mine and I'm not sure I believe it or it's it's basically a math goof. Mm-hmm. Somebody pointed out that apparently April and Andy had met in college and that basically if Ann says she's been a nurse for 10 years and it's been two years since she and Andy were together and they were together for three years, that that five years versus 10 years doesn't add up properly. I'm like that doesn't sound right. I I just dis- I, I, I dispute that they met in college. Me too. I don't remember that. In fact, I remember when we were covering season one and talking about that origin story. Mm-hmm. We were left to wonder how long they'd been together, and later we kind of pieced something together through some deleted scenes and yeah. stuff like that. But it was never canon. Right. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I think they're making that up. I I, I yeah. think maybe you're right. We're squashing it. Yeah, that's right. Squash. There it is. We're like we're like Mythbusters for you know. <laughs> yes, Pawnee Mythbusters. Oh my edition. god! Yeah, there, you, there go. you go. Writes itself. Love it. The only other guy in the world with a mustache close to Ron Swanson's. That's true. Yeah, Jamie it is Heidemann. pretty darn close, as a matter of fact. Yup. Uh, the other thing that I thought was worth mentioning, it's a bit of a fun fact. It came from the director's commentary, which we I think both listened to. Um, you know, Mike Schur basically complimented Amy on the script. The, the commentary in this episode was Mike Schur, Amy Poehler, and Adam Scott. Right. And occasionally, Mike and Amy let Adam speak, but not very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Mike said that Amy's first draft of the script, which she wrote this episode, was pretty much about 85% what we see in the final cut. So mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. That is impressive. It's very impressive. Well, Mark, I think that about does it, except for the score. Should we move into our scoring? All right. So episode MVP. Uh, honestly, this was such a stellar episode. I know I joked about giving it a three or three, five. I can't do that. This was such a good freaking episode. Um, and there are so many people that were good in this episode. Yeah. Like, for example, this may be the episode that I liked and the best. Yeah, so, I think that's so fair. An argument could be made for her getting MVP. It, yeah. it could be an argument for Ben had so many sweet moments or Tom, you know, he drove the entrepreneurial thing. Yeah. I mean, there could be an argument for so many of them. So I almost feel like there's not a wrong answer here. Right. But I'm going to do my best to give you one. No, I, a wrong I, answer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have it. So my my MVP and I've done this before. I check with this with the brass. This is allowed. I'm going to give the episode MVP to the combo of Chris Pratt slash Aubrey Plaza as Andy and April, mm-hmm. and particularly because of the Burt Macklin, Janet Snakehole, uh, Kip Hackman, uh, you know, <laughs> per- personas. Um, these two were so freaking delightful and it was such a treat to see their alter egos finally meet each other, which I mentioned. Um, and they're just hysterical. It, it, April's now fully formed Janet Snakehole persona. <laughs> I could listen to her spout that old timey gibberish for days. I love it. Um, and I also have a real soft spot for when April near the end was trying to uh, prolong the role play. Like it just seemed very sweet. Like she didn't want to, 
she didn't want the fun to end. Well, and really their whole interaction about it all throughout, you know, they're trying to, you know, enjoy this their way. And, you know, Andy has his moments where they're very sweet and, and considerate for April and, and vice versa. So I, I like the B storyline a lot in this. It was definitely comic relief for the tension in the A storyline. Yeah. Yeah. So just a few other notes. This was like I said, this was a fantastic episode. This was a fantastic ensemble episode. It was. Maybe, maybe, maybe their best use of the comedic bench to date. I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to stick my flag on the hill and say that. I think one of the other ones we really liked was missing one of these characters. So I'm going to agree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Um, I thought this whole episode had a chaotic yet welcoming feel mm. <laughs> like like it's the show's drunken greatest hits, you that's know, true. and it worked. It worked really well. Interesting thing. I expected snake juice to taste like feet. For for two reasons, for two reasons. Number one, John Ralphio endorsed it. And while he's really funny, his character's an idiot. No, that's true. Two, Tom created it and he thought Tommy Fresh smelled good. Well, great point. So, but it, it's great. I mean, yeah, it was delicious. It's delicious. Right? It's delicious that sniz. Um, just like the shoe sh- the shoe shine stand was a great thing for Andy. This was a great solution for Anne to have an excuse to be there with the gang all the time. So well done for that. Um I loved how everyone was nearly dead the next morning, except for Ron. That just seems right somehow, you know, um, it reminded me of elements of the flu. Yeah. And elements yeah. of an episode we've yet to see. Mm. Yeah. I loved Ron. I know we talked about this. I loved Ron coming to Tom's defense and how he was actually proud of Tom. That was very sweet. Like what a long way those two have come since hunting trip where mm-hmm. one of them may have shot the other one <laughs> in the back of the head. Um <laughs> And also, like in the breakfast, this is my opinion, so maybe you guys will disagree, but like in the Breakfast Club or Seinfeld, I felt like this was an episode that was largely about nothing, and yet everything mm. seemed to happen in it, you know? There are scenes that make you burst out laughing, there are sweet scenes that make you appreciate the relationships, the, the, the well-crafted characters that make us feel like we're just hanging out with them in a bar, I like everything, just well done across the board. Um, my, my only small nitpick with it at all would be, and this is very, very small, it seemed like I, I I like I agree with you where they referred to, you know, this uh, this candidate and this committee, you know, as mm-hmm. they're kind of making up. Yeah, I do think that was clever. And I agree with you. It does seem a little bit like the fight between Leslie and Anne resolved a little bit too quickly. I'm not giving them too much grief for that. There's a limited amount of time. Yeah, that's the only nitpick I have in the entire episode. Well, it's uh, called sobriety, Mark. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> um. So, okay, on to the the crazy, crazy Mark rubric. All right. Base score, five. This is my highest one, the highest score I've ever given. And and uh, I mean, this was this was awesome. It had everything you could want out of it. I, I can't detract anything from it for the base score. I'm going to give a point to a great performance by the MVP duo of April and Andy. I'm going to give another point to the great drunken performances by everyone. I'm going to give a half point to the great use of the deep comedic bench. Maybe the best they've ever done, despite the presence of multiple guest stars. That's true. Speaking of which, great use of guest stars, including the great Ben Schwartz as John Ralphio and Nick Kroll as Howard the Douche Tuttleman. <clears throat> producers cut and it adds guest star Andy Milder as the owner. We love to hate Freddie. Yep. Um, I'm going to give half a point to for Ron coming to Tom's defense and his final wood case gift to him saying onward. That was mm. just so classy. It's really, you good. know, yeah. I'm going to give half a point 
for Ben coming to Leslie's defense with Anne and their sweet interactions together. And I'm going to give another half point for too many freaking Swanson moments to count, including his drunken crazy dance with April's hat. Just so freaking classic. It's so funny. So good. So score time. Yeah. You add all these up. Yeah. So for you at home that do the math thing, you may know where I'm going already. But um, Alan, I'll have you know, I went to the brass about this. First, I got to say this. And I told them what I wanted to do. And they said I couldn't. And I said I was going to anyway. And they asked me how much farther away I wanted to park. And I backed down. We so, do have an auxiliary parking lot. So <laughs> you're telling me. So my official score, my official score for both the aired version and the producer's cut mm. is 9.5 Little Sebastians. However, if you look on my notes, as I know you can since you're viewers, you're going to see an asterisk next to my 9.5 for the producer's cut. And you go, Mark, that's strange. Why is there an asterisk? I'm so glad you asked, person, a viewer. <laughs> for me, I'll say two things. And the brass can't nail me for this. They better not. I liked the producer's cut better than the aired version. Okay. And in my opinion, it tied with Harvest Festival. So I don't know what Harvest Festival's score was. I can't I remember. remember. I, I don't know. I, I I can't remember. Maybe if someone could look back and see what its score was, I just feel like its score is about equivalent. The producer's cut is about equivalent with the Harvest Festival. Whatever that score might be, that's my score. So, so subtle. So, hey, I like them soggy apples, mister. <laughs> About as much as I like any quarter points. Uh, oh, I no, no, no. You would never do that. No one here. Look, <clears throat> no one here is doing quarter points. Let, let me make that clear. My official score is 9.5. Asterisk. Go ahead. What do you got? <laughs> well, Mark, I took a page out of your book and oh, I went to the no. brass about this and I said, are you OK if I copy Mark? Oh, uh, <laughs> Because, you know, that's dangerous territory yeah. often. And they said in this case I could. And that is that I'm going to give the producer's cut and the standard cut. I'm going to score them independently. They okay. may or may not be the same score. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I thought that was a great thing you brought. Uh, not quarter point so much, but this <laughs> I liked. And I also like co-MVPs because in this case I would have to agree with you. Um, and I think I'd give it to the same two people. But I, I think had you given it to different people. I could have been convinced pretty easy. And again, I think so you're many right. good performances, so many good performances. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. This episode done by different people, a different writing staff and a different cast and producing staff could have easily turned out to be just like a joke a minute, drunken, whatever fart fest, you know? Right. And then classic classic. Cause you know, like douche and all that stuff can kind of go down that path sometimes, but they always kind of rein it in. And I like where they draw their lines within, within parks and rec. And I think that's why even 10 and 11 years later, some of these episodes still hold up and they're not too cringy. Yeah. Where I think, you know, had they crossed those lines, we'd be in really strong cringe territory more often than we are. Right. So, so here I really like what they did. And I think that they balanced that kind of the drunk, you know, kind of base comedy, if you will, at times. Uh, so funny, though, with a very heartfelt, sincere interaction between Anne and Leslie. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, this was their time to have this kind of dispute and figure out if their friendship could survive it. It did, by the way. Mm. But I am interested, kind of like you somewhat alluded to, about the long-term impact. You, you said it that they they maybe made up a little too fast. It was like your one complaint. Um I do think that the light of day, sobriety, um, all of those things 
allowed them to forgive each other and that they were both over the top. Yeah, that's But they fair. said some things that were – there were some truisms in. So it would be interesting to see and keep an eye out for how those influence their friendship going forward. See, that's just it. Once you, you know, take, a, you know, a Neptune's trident and, you know, skewer someone in the guts, you may be really sorry, but it's going to take a while for those scars to go to away. Heal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're going to have – it's going to leave a mark. Yep. That's your name, but I way. know, I See know. See what I did there? I really <laughs> like that. <laughs> anyway, on to the scoring. Yes. So, you know, I gave these a base score. No, I don't do that. You, you did uh, look, give them to, a, a different scores, or you scored each one separately. I did a very, um, I don't know if thorough is the right word, but when I did my logging of the scenes, I went through and I basically marked every line that was in the producer's cut that was not and so I could literally go back and look at it and Me go, too. okay, how do I feel about the fact versus just my overall impression? Right. Well, first of all, I'm going to give you my score for the standard cut. I think even with all that stuff said, I think there was still room for it to be funnier. And I think with think without some of the things that did wind up in the producer's cut, I'm going to give them different scores. Wow. Okay. I'm going to say that the this episode is a nine little Sebastian episode without the producer's cut. Okay. They use that four minutes, and it's actually a little less. It's three minutes and about 14 seconds or so. They use that wisely. And it's just the the extra little, it's turning it from 10 to 11. It's the spinal tapness mark, if yeah. you will, of it, yeah. where they just did that little bit of extra in some of the scenes. They were able to sell, you know, to sell stuff a little stronger, to, to bring the point home a little more on some of the, both the the touchy feely stuff and the comedy and the the tension and the drama. And I think in every case they use that to amp it up a little bit. And for me, I gave the producers cut a nine and a half, like you did. Mm. No asterisk. No. Uh, and I gave the standard cut nine little Sebastians. I will say the producers cut though. Okay. I'm going to let you off the hook a little bit. If we had quarter points, I feel like we'd both be in the auxiliary parking lot next week. Let if me, I were brave enough to give a quarter point, let me say it differently. Ellen, what I think I hear you saying is that uh, both of us um, might uh, tie this with um, <clears throat> my, my score for Harvest Festival, whatever that score might be. Whatever it is. It seems like it seems like this is the same score as that. It feels like it would be. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Interesting. And I can say that now and keep my parking spot. So that's what's genius about what I did. Look, look I want to say this to the heavens. My official score is 9.5. Uh -huh, okay. Fair enough. Asterisk. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Harvest Festival, flu season. You yeah. look back at some of the other really, really, really strong yeah. episodes of this season. Man, this one, it's it's a it's a top three so far of this season. I think it will be a top five of the series. Definitely a top 10. I don't know. We'll see when it's all said and done, though. Yeah. You know, you, you know, you made the good point of, you know, going forward. It's like, how good is my memory? Honestly, how good is my memory from last time I watched the series? Yeah. Can I can I remember all of the stellar, stellar episodes and gauge them appropriately? I mean, I'm I'm doing my best. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm once I give something a 10, I may come back and go, you know what? This is a 10 and a half. I'll tell you what, because <laughs> I don't know. With with some of these episodes, you know, being so good and we generally remember them and like them, it does not hurt this episode that you have Ron Swanson dancing in a pillbox hat every day on the Internet without having to look for it very hard when it comes down to scoring these against each other and a top 10 showdown at the end of all this. You know, it would be a, another interesting thing. I, I began to 
talk about this with season three, it would be interesting to see what percentage of Parks and Rec episodes produced meme worthy moments. And I don't even know if that's fair to say, because I'm sure someone's created a meme about everything at least once. (laughs) <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like there are some that are just like yeah. spread like wildfire. Well, and, and, you know, you get basically the, the retweets and all of the, the reposting out there. That's where you really see the echo chamber kind of happen. Yeah. And that's where it's kind of like people voting a little bit. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause not everybody's out there creating memes, although, you know, there's so many apps and ways to do it now. And, and, you know, literally people drawing on napkins and scanning it and uploading it. You know, I've seen some pretty ugly memes. But like you said, there are some classics out there and there's probably five or six episodes that I think will show up the most is what you're going to find. Well, and I mean, just this start, is one of them. Yo, oh, my gosh. No yes. And and just starting season three, I think I made the observation at one point that the at least the first five. I'm not sure about Indianapolis, maybe. Well, you know what? Indianapolis, too, for Mulligans. It, the, the, so the first N number of episodes, every single one had something where I'm like, that's the episode with that, like yeah. Swanson Pyramid of Greatness, yep. right? Yep. So. Well, well said, Mark. Well, I think we agreed. And so that's happened a couple of times before. So nice job. All right. Good for I us. I was right. Yep. You were right. <laughs> Asterisk. <laughs> Asterisk. <laughs> well, Mark, as we alluded to earlier in the episode, we're going to play a little bit of our interview with the great Andy Milder today. You know, oh, cool. Freddie from the Snake Hole Lounge. That's right. The guy we love to hate. We love to hate him. Yeah. And so we'll play a little bit of that interview. And then hopefully later on, we can drop that full interview for you to enjoy. But uh, for now, here's a little bit of a snippet. Awesome. Special guest today, you know him as the semi-sleazy and not always lovable Freddie, owner of the Snake Hole Lounge. Please welcome the very talented Andy Milder. Hello, gentlemen. How are you, Andy? Well, I'm swell, thank you. Um, and and as much as I would like to be offended by your uh, introduction, I think it's right on the money. Actually. So we we were going to ask you how you felt about that because I I felt a little weird writing it, but then I'm like, you know what? I think he probably knows. I, I, yeah, it's it's kind of hard not to. Um, I mean, like I remember like purposefully having my shirt a little too open, and I had a chain I think on, and it was all uh, it was all a little much, but it was certainly a lot of fun. That's great. Well, thanks again for joining us, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is a pleasure, Andy. Tell us, how did you come to Parks and Rec and, and your role as Freddie? Do you remember? Um, God, it's been so long ago now. That's kind of a tough question. Um, I think, I no, I don't think. Dorian Frankel was one of the casting directors at the time. And uh, Dorian uh, and I have known each other through this business for a thousand years. She's awesome. And um, she had me in to read for it. Uh, Weeds was, I think, still going on or, or something at the time. And uh, someone must have said, uh, hey, get that weed asshole. And uh, so they did. <laughs> so uh, here I am. Did you have any idea when, uh, I, I assume you went in uh, for casting or just to, to, to try out for the part, did you have any idea if it was going to be a recurring role or like if it was going to be a one and done? Honestly, with, with every job you ever auditioned for it, you always kind of hope it's a recurring role. You'll never, you never know. They say, sometimes they'll say to you, oh yeah, this is, this is going to be recurring. And then it's, of course you're in and out and you never see them again. And other times they say to you, uh, this is a one-time deal. And you say, great. And then they bring you back a couple of times. Um, I, there was one episode, one show I did private practice, uh, 
Shonda Rhimes show and uh, they had me in and Mike was clearly a one episode thing. And then the next season they brought me back to do another episode. And I was like, wow, fantastic. So you just never know. You never know. Nice. Um, you know, once I saw it, by the way, I, I was hoping because I, I love the show. And I mean, I, you know, I mean, like I was like, ooh, this guy could come back. That'd be awesome. Well, Andy, this week we're, we're actually covering episode 11 from season three, The Fight, which I think was your fourth and final appearance. Um, what do you remember about that episode? This is one that's kind of become very meme worthy, um, you know, with the, everyone gets a little too drunk on the snake juice there at the snake hole lounge. And it's definitely a fan favorite. Um, I, I'll be, I'll be totally honest with you. I remember bits and pieces of a few of those things, but I don't remember any like one specific, you know what I mean? Like, I, I know that's kind of crazy, but they all merge after a while into yeah. one concept for me. Um, I didn't even realize I'd done four. If you want to know the honest truth, I thought I'd done two. Um, so, uh, you know, I remember, I just remember it was a lot of fun because I remember everyone, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this from other guests, but the whole thing was, you know, okay, we'll do it. Okay. Now let's do it and screw around. Um, and those were always the takes that were, uh, I, I don't know if they wound up using a lot of them in general, but, uh, certainly they, they allowed for you to build on whatever character you were working on. And so I remember they didn't use one thing that I was dying for them to use. Um, and it was uh, when Tom, he had come in, he was a partner now, had made him a partner, and he was standing up in the booth. And there were other people standing up in the booth. And in the do it your own take, I said, uh, you got to sit down, you can't, you can't stand up in the booth. But just to him. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I don't, I don't think they wound up using it, but I was like, ah, oh, come on, come on. That would have been totally in character. You know, and I, I, God, I wish I, I mean, the stories that I have, again, aren't so much like, oh, God, in this episode, X, Y, and Z. Um, but like, like Amy, I never worked with Amy, right? I never worked with her directly. We never had a scene together. But I remember like the second time I showed up and I got on the van that was taking us all from, you know, wardrobe and makeup to the actual shooting area of the snake hole. And um, she... Uh, I got in the van, she goes, Andy, great to have you back. And I was like, that is class personified. That is it, man. She was, she was just, I thought that's, that's what a, a, a lead of a show should be doing. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I did an episode of Roseanne where like day three, I finally went up to Roseanne and said, hi, I'm Andy. And put out my hand, you know, to shake it. She, I don't shake hands. So I gave her my elbow and we tapped elbows and that was the end of that. And it was like, wow, you know, two different, two different polarities of star. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've heard lots of great theme, things about Amy and the, the tone that was set by her, you know, as you know, and Mike is the showrunner. So, you know, I, I think I noted on this episode specifically that it was written by Amy and it was the second one that you were on that was written by Amy and also directed by Randall Einhorn. So, oh yeah, yeah, I remember him. As the writer, would she have not been on set then, typically, if she didn't have a scene? Since she was obviously a star too. So she was around. She was there. What I mean though is, uh, when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about like interaction in a scene, working with them, talking, you know, having lines of dialogue together. Absolutely. Was she right. there? Absolutely. But yeah. you know, also Amy, as the star and as a producer on the show, isn't just sitting around, right? <laughs> right. She's, right. She's working. She's got things going on. And especially as a guest star, you don't want to be like, hey, hey, 
uh, I'm the puppy dog. Come play with me. Pet me. You know what I mean? Like you just want to be, you want to get there. You want to do your shit. You want to get out of the way and, and uh, not bother anybody. And so that's kind of where I was at. Sure. Um, and, and again, play. I mean, it's a very, it was a very playful set. Everyone was there clearly to have fun. Um, so it wasn't like they were saying to me like, uh, all right, just, the line is X. Make sure you hit line. X. You missed the word the in that sense. Which and I've been on those shows. Believe me. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it's like, uh, no, that was golly, that was not in this show. Wow. Well, one thing that we've heard from several people that we've been lucky enough to talk to, uh, including yourself, is you know, kind of getting I think what what you call the fun run after you get the lines initially, and then just kind of saying, okay, let, let's go nuts and bring in some extra creativity and. Maybe we'll use it. Maybe we don't. And that's yeah. that's pretty cool when they allow you to do that. It's honestly, there are only a few shows I've been on where they specifically do that. And uh, it's awesome. It's just awesome. Especially when you have people of that caliber of, of, of improv that you're working with. I mean, I'm a decent improver. I am not Amy Poehler level improv, you know, or Nick or any or any of those. Guys. So uh, it was it was pretty it was pretty cool. Have you been on other single camera shows? Because I know that's one of the things unique about the faux documentary style is that, you know, it provides opportunities, I think, for some of that that others, you know, a three camera show doesn't, for example. Oh, yeah, I would say most of my stuff, to be honest with you, has been I, I would say less of my work has been three camera and more of my work has been single. OK, camera. Oh, OK, um, that's good. But but it's always been again, you know, I mean, it's been scripted they're scripted shows right and yeah. even though parks and recs is a scripted show there is a feel of improv that always permeated the room so yes i had my lines but we knew that the fun take was coming and we also knew that if somebody went off the rails a little bit it was cool just go you know um it didn't happen a ton in my stuff i didn't have a ton to do to be honest with you but um I was ready for it and I knew to be ready for it. So, you know, I, I have not yet been on uh, and probably never will be on um, Curb, but I, it had that kind of feel to it without it. Curb is literally unscripted. Yeah. You know, I, I've auditioned for Curb. They say to you, even in the auditions, they say, okay, here's the setup. Here's Larry. You're going to have to tell Larry that he's doing X, Y, and Z wrong. Go. And you go. Um, uh, and, and I felt similar on this show, even though it was scripted, I had my lines, I knew them, we, and we stuck to them for the most part, but I was ready at any moment. I was always just kind of itching, like, all right, are we gonna, are we gonna screw around? What are we gonna do? <laughs> That's kind of cool that the writing had the, it's scripted, but it kind of had the, the feel of the improv, I think is what, what I hear you saying. I, that's gotta be a testament to how good the writers are, huh? Oh, dude, absolutely. Because, I mean, you know, look, I, you know, Weeds was, in his, I, I think, a very funny and really well-written show. Right. Um, but it didn't have that edge of improv on it. It had that edge of finely honed writing, mm -hmm. very different thing, both excellent in their own ways. But, uh, and you know, I don't want to put down the writers. I don't want them to be like, he thinks we're not finely honed. Go screw you, Milder. Um, I did, but it, but it had that edge that anything could happen in any moment. And that's, it was just, it was fun. It was just, it was walking the razor's edge and it was a lot of fun. Well, we're back. Well, Mark, that was pretty good. I'm looking forward to being able to share the rest of that interview with everybody. And uh, it was great to have Andy on the show. 
Yeah, it really was. He was a lot of fun to talk to. I enjoyed that. Absolutely. Well, we'll be back, everybody, next week with Season 3, Episode 14, Road Trip. That's right. And uh, this is the one where basically, uh, you know, Chris decides to send Leslie and Ben in a car together to Indianapolis. There's no way that can go wrong. No, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. It's all going to work out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Banjos ahoy, I'm just saying. <laughs> Can't wait for some banjo music. <laughs> All right. We'll be back with that episode next week, and we're really looking forward to it. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us. Music